0: Hi friends, you're tuned in to Legal Means Business, a podcast by Leeway. We're joined by some amazing guests who help us identify how to take your legal function and career to the next level. I'm your host, Steph Smith, and we're talking all things legal ops and legal tech, as well as other critical skills needed to help you thrive in the evolving in-house arena. Don't forget, you can watch us on YouTube, or listen on the go through Spotify or Apple podcasts. If you enjoy the conversation, please do hit subscribe and let us know what you think on social.
1: The days of just being good, you know, technically, uh, with, with the so-called hard skills, uh, mm-hmm. are no longer sufficient. In my, uh, in my opinion, you also have to be a great leader, and you also need these days to be amazing at soft skills. Those soft skills are not usually taught in law schools, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, boy, do we learn about IP and corporate law and employment and patents and you name it. But how you're gonna? Need to act. We're, we're just not taught, uh, you know, leadership and uh, how to properly manage in the twenty-first century.
0: Wow, what a great conversation I've just had with Pierre. Pierre is someone who's redefining legal from a leadership perspective, and he's reinventing the wheel in terms of how legal teams are led. In this conversation, you'll hear about why soft skills are important for in-house lawyers, how you can develop these skills and how to identify and communicate your leadership style with your team. The conversation was full of useful nuggets. So without further ado, let's dive in. Well, thanks for joining us, Pierre. Nice to have you on the podcast.
1: Always uh, happy to be here, Stephanie. Always happy to be here.
0: (laughs) And I know we've, well, we've been in touch for quite some time since I joined Leeway. So uh, yeah, we're pleased to have you on one of the first podcasts that we're launching.
1: glad to be here.
0: (laughs) Um, So I know you've had quite a varied um, and exciting career. For those of you, those of those listeners who don't know anything about you or don't know much about you, could you tell us a bit about your background?
1: Sure. Um, So I'm a, you know, French qualified lawyer, I'm uh, registered with the Paris bar. That sounds all very exciting. (laughs) But uh, my career has uh, been mainly with uh, American company. I started off my career working at Disney. I actually did all sorts of things at Disney, including working, uh, you know, for the theme park, selling tickets at the very beginning of my career and doing all sorts of other things. But basically, I stayed at Disney for about seven to eight years. I then had the chance to jump on the... uh, Internet train, uh, you know, but internet at its very beginnings, you know, basically mm-hmm. when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's in 1999, and I was, uh, you know, general counsel for France, and eventually, you know, worked my way up. I stayed at Yahoo for uh, over 15 years, and I ended up deputy general counsel. Uh, for Yahoo uh, but as well in charge of uh, the EMEA region but as well mm-hmm. I was also in charge of the people issues for the legal department globally uh, because I have a keen interest and I think that's that interest um in me uh, that uh, you guys have with this podcast but I was like really mm-hmm. Um, interested in people issue, in leadership issues. So this is how I ended up, you know, trying to uh, lead that initiatives for lawyers globally at Yahoo for, for a while. I then left with my um, uh, direct report team, who also left Yahoo. Uh, we all left, you know, on or about the same time. We set up an um, alliance of lawyers uh, outside councils in the five major European markets, Germany, UK, Spain, uh, um, Italy and of course, France, and we you know, provided service to companies, mainly digital companies, uh, though we were outside counsel, we tried to work and act as if we were in house lawyers. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of my clients hired me, Ledger, which uh, Ledger is now a French unicorn. So we're you know, a uh, um, uh, licorn, I don't know if you say licorn or unicorn. Uh, mm-hmm. What's the proper term? But anyway, Ledger, uh, which is um, a company in the blockchain space, uh, asked me to set up their legal team, which I did for a couple of years. And now, for the past few years I've been really focusing on something that is absolutely fascinating to me and that I find um essential which is leadership and therefore mm-hmm. now I'm an executive mentor to general counsels as well as legal teams and I help them work on their uh you know personal branding their leadership all these soft skills that uh, we don't necessarily have a chance to uh, study at uh, law school but that are mm-hmm. so key uh, in today's world.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's obviously, I can hear it when you speak, it's obviously a passion of yours, but why, why is it an important topic for in-house lawyers?
1: Um, because I, I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, the days of just being good, you know, technically, uh, with, with the so-called hard skills, uh, mm-hmm. Are no longer sufficient in my uh, in my opinion in order to be you know uh, a well-rounded uh, legal executive. Uh, you have to be obviously an amazing at your technical skills, but you also have to be a great leader, and you also need these days to be amazing at self skills. And as I've you know very briefly mentioned just before. Those sub skills are not usually taught in law schools. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, boy, do we learn about IP and corporate law and employment and patent and you name it. But how you're going to need to act when you lead uh, other lawyers, whether it's, you know, uh, in house or uh, in a practice in a law firm, uh, that we really very rarely, at least in France, I don't know if it's the case in the US, but I think it's. You know pretty similar at least that's what I've heard and and we're, we're just not taught uh, you know leadership and uh, you know how to properly manage in the 21st centuries and really leaders need to learn you know how to lead in the 21st century leaders of legal team they need to let their team know you know what is their vision what is what I call their picture of success uh, mm-hmm. what what you know what is it they're there for? You know, where are they going? Uh what what are they trying to solve? What are they trying to achieve? And how long will that take? You know, when will the team get there? Uh, you know, what will be the pluses of climbing this mountain altogether? What will be the minuses of the potential challenges? Uh, by when will we get there? And uh all of that, you know, a leader needs to be able to craft his vision. And the key thing in the 21st century is it's that it's no longer a top-down approach, as we've seen before. You know, it used to be that the orders, the direction, the actions uh, were coming from the top, and people were just executing. But in the 21st century, uh, what we've seen, uh, and that's probably due to uh, the millennials and and you know who crave for autonomy, what we've seen in the 21st century leadership that it's much better to craft this vision, as I've just mentioned, but. Actually, let the you know your team uh, do the how and and find out how they're going to help you achieve you know that, that picture of success. What concrete actions they suggest to implement in order to get there. And I think you know all these things were just not taught them. Uh, it's something you have to be kind of like shown the way on how to do it. And mm-hmm. that's what I try to help uh, other leaders do these days. Yeah.
0: Cool. And what's the experience been um, for you in terms of your leadership journey? Where did you learn these skills and how did it come about?
1: Uh, well, my personal journey is uh, in 2006, uh, I was only in charge of Southern Europe. Um, so, you know, a couple of lawyers in Spain in Italy and a handful of lawyers in France. And uh, my boss at the time uh, asked me whether I wanted to take the whole of uh, Europe—you know, Europe, Middle East, Eastern Europe, and Africa—so it's a huge region. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, of course, I said yes because I was very much interested in such a challenge. But he also said, "Would you like to have an executive mentor uh, work with you? Because it's a big step for you going from you know managing three or five persons to managing fifty to sixty, you know." And I said, "Of course." So I met several uh, executive mentors, and eventually I met uh, someone absolutely fabulous. Her name is Sue Moore. And uh, she uh, worked by my side uh, for all these years, and really, uh, you know, uh, guided me and, show, and showed me the way, and mm-hmm. you know, helped me to, you know, do all those things I'm talking about now. And uh, actually, uh, fairly recently, she retired, and uh, after many, many years of advising uh, many other mentees like me. And uh, she knows how much I, I was keen to try to do something like she did. And she said, you know, why don't you, uh, uh, you know, follow my methodology? I'm giving you uh, everything and be my legacy. And I love that. And I'm mm-hmm. trying to uh, hold up to our standards because it has yes. really helped me uh, succeed at Yahoo. And I think, um, uh, you know, having a mentor whomever that person be, you know, as long as you, you find someone with that person to, you know, that, that you click with Mm -hmm. uh, really help leaders uh, to grow. So that's, that's how I, I I started uh, knowing about mentoring
0: for sure. And you said there, you need to find the person that you click with and that you did, um, you did speak with a few mentors before as well. Is it kind of like a speed dating scenario or how do you find the right mentor?
1: no, it's, um, well, it's it's not like a speed dating, but it's true that usually what, uh, and I see it myself now, myself being in the executive mentor shoes, usually what uh, talent and development teams do is they uh, offer potential mentees different profiles. And, and it's absolutely crucial. It's absolutely key that uh, whenever uh, someone is you know given the possibility to do executive mentoring that we give that the person the ability to meet several uh, people
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: and then you know hopefully in the you know you, you shouldn't meet like 10 but you know i think 2 or 3 is a good you know is a good balance the yeah. person you click with you know i mean you know when you meet someone at a dinner party and you don't know anyone at that dinner party there are some people you will immediately click with it's almost animal like you don't know you know it's just mm-hmm. like there's something you click with that person and something in the
0: air. yeah you
1: don't care as much or you know it's just it's just yeah just not not as interesting mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's the same with executive mentoring you know you need to go with the person you click and in my case uh there was not one single question in my mind when I met Sue uh, that I wanted to work with her and uh, that's Mm -hmm. what happened. And uh, now it's really interesting because I'm now in the shoes she was in back then. And uh, I often happen to be, you know, in competition with other mentors, which is absolutely normal. And it's Mm -hmm. always very satisfying when uh, the mentees uh, pick you because they clicked with you. And I think it's great. Yeah.
0: When you're looking for a mentor, speak with a few different people before you commit. Choosing someone you click with can make all the difference and help you get the most from that relationship. Up next, Pierre shares the leadership style that many legal leaders are currently using and the challenges associated with this. And so if we take it back to the kind of leadership approach, what does a typical leadership approach look like for in-house lawyers or in-house professionals at the moment? And what's maybe not perfect about that approach?
1: So you know, as I said previously in the past, the idea mm. uh, for leadership was you had to prove you were actually, uh, you know, the smartest person in the room, right? And, and, and like show to other colleagues, uh, people you were going to manage, especially lawyers, that you were smarter than them. And, uh, and, and, and then it used to be that they would only respect you if you were more technically savvy than they are. Uh, from a legal standpoint. And that's all that mattered. And, you know, really, this does not go, in my opinion, at the core um, of what a great leader must be. I mean, if I take back my Yahoo example, Mm -hmm. I had in my direct reports, people that I uh, definitely consider far more clever than I am, and, uh, uh, you know, far more smarter than I am. And, I loved it and whenever you know when I built a team at Ledger I again hired more uh a smarter people than I am mm-hmm. because they were experts in that domain I even got um you know uh, a a fairly young uh, attorney who has a PhD in employment law mm-hmm. but uh, I thought you know he's brilliant let's have him on the team and actually for the you know, for the record, for, uh, he's now the VP People of Yahoo. Uh, so actually, he had an ex, uh, you know really amazing career and growth because uh, he's now uh, uh, went to the dark side, the side of the business. He's now you know on <laughs> charge of uh, HR issues, but he's reproduced exactly the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. he's not an expert in all of things HR, and yet he's recruited again. A smarter person's highest uh, yeah. field in talent acquisition in learning and development, you know, than he is. Because again, the role of a leader is not to be necessarily smarter than the person you manage. The role of the leader is, um, you know, to show the way to remove obstacles, to uh, craft that picture of success, to, you know, engage the team in a passionate project um, and, uh, uh and, and yeah, and that's, that's what uh, um, a leader should do. And obviously if you do it right, actually the team in the end will believe that whatever it is they did, they did it on their own, right? Uh, they, mm-hmm. will, they will say, they will barely actually acknowledge or know that the leader was there. And when you achieve this, you have truly uh, created a self-managing team. You know, Stephanie, I'll give you a very quick analogy. A mm-hmm. great leader is like an orchestra conductor. You know, there is no music coming out of his baton. Clearly, there is none. And yet, without the conductor, it's very likely the orchestra is not going to play amazingly. Well, that's the kind of same thing with a leader of a legal team. There's not mm-hmm. necessarily music or you're not going to necessarily be deep um, in depth in technical yeah. issues. But you are going to be the conductor of that team. And that's what really matters.
0: Yeah, Oh, no, I love that analogy, because, yeah, everyone would be skilled in in their own right. But especially when operating together, operating as a legal team, a legal department, and then adding the extra business layer on top of that. Uh, Yeah, I think that makes sense. And being the leader in that scenario is just bringing it all together in musical harmony.
1: makes total sense. (laughs) The legal symphony, that's what I call it.
0: Exactly. I love that. (laughs) And you, you mentioned as well about great leaders hire people who are smarter than them. And I think that makes total sense and not just in, in law, but in any industry, in any sector, I suppose, is it, is that difficult if you're maybe competition is quite, uh, common and quite high in law school, I suppose. So it's almost breaking down the barriers of, no, I don't have to be the best, but I need to lead us all to be. Yeah. The best. It's
1: some people, I mean, um, you really need to be, uh, you know, confident about yourself to get there, right? Because Mm -hmm. once you start applying the, I'm going to hire smarter people than I am, and I'm actually going to be the conductor of the team with no music coming out of my baton, Mm -hmm. then in practice, what does that mean? Practice, that means that actually you're not going to work really on any files, and you're Mm -hmm. not going to yourself be really involved in any issues and then that could really quickly beg the next question well if i'm not doing anything if i'm not doing anything you know with lots of quotes then Mm -hmm. i'm useless to the company and then they're going to get rid of me because i can't show what i'm doing and Mm -hmm. that's really what you know leaders are going to be afraid with that approach but you know let me reassure them once you're able to have uh, a team you know uh, that you've grown, that is actually self-managing, which is really should be your goal. Um, that leaves then more time to the leader to focus on what to do next. In other words, mm-hmm. Stephanie, the leader, the leader's role is really to focus and to you know build tomorrow's business. What will be uh, the challenges the company will face from a legal standpoint in years to come? You know, mm-hmm. What will be the resources we need? What kind of legal tech do we need to invest into? What is the competition doing? Uh, you know, or how can I help the company in general, uh, even though it's not strictly a legal issue, but how can I help the company because I've got, I've got some skills to, to progress? What projects can I take on to help the company move forward? And uh, if you do that, then what your team does is they manage today's business, right? So the leader's role is to focus on growing the business of tomorrow, while the, his team is to focus on managing two days. And, yeah. um, you know, you can do this through many things. As I've explained, you can, you know, you can and should and will Uh, you know, present a picture of success, a strategy, a vision for your team where you're taking them. What will be the challenges? What will be, uh, what, you know, great for the team when we'll get there? The types of people we know you'll make sure you get the casting right in your team. All of those things, Mm -hmm. but you will also remove obstacles for them. You will also be able to pay attention to things, you know, such as is my team. Properly compensated, you know, and maybe I need Mm -hmm. to work with the uh, comp and benefit teams to make sure that this team, um, you know, is set for the future when the competitors will go after them to get them. You know, Mm -hmm. am I paying them properly? Are they on the proper bonus scheme? Do I have the right people in the team? Are they doing the right thing in the team? You know, how can I give them more exposure? All those stuff. And when you start adding all of those things I have mentioned, Trust me, you're a busy man or a busy woman, and you're certainly a busy leader. Uh, and yes. yet you are not necessarily day in, day out doing uh, strict legal jobs. And of course, yeah. um, I've men- I've- I haven't mentioned that, but of course, as the leader of the legal team, you're the point of escalation of any legal. Mm-hmm. Issues. And that also takes some time when you're here to try to help and, and give guidance to your teams.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think the points you mentioned there in terms of making sure that your team are happy are super important. And especially considering the last year last two years. Um, yeah, I think it's a bit of a hot topic. Definitely. <laughs> so if, if there's a lawyer or any in-house, um, legal professional, who's kind of stuck in the old way of, of their leadership style, how can they make this transition into the into the new way?
1: Uh, I have something with the five uh, steps. And yeah. I can uh, talk to, you know, explain briefly to you what that is now, if you want, Stephanie.
0: Yeah, that would be brilliant.
1: Wonderful. It's so, easy to
0: remember when there's five solid points. Exactly. It's
1: well. is, yeah. I mean, <laughs> five works well with me. It's threes of five, really. Yeah. Uh, but uh, imagine now you have asked yourself five questions. You are ready to move on. you got the new job. You have a new team Uh, 20 lawyers, 30 lawyers, amazing, or even three lawyers, doesn't matter, the the approach is the same. What do you do Mm -hmm. next? Well, there's another piece of advice I give to any leader. The first thing you need to do is to declaim your leadership style. And what is that? Well, it's explain from day one to your team, what are the rules of working with you? And it's very simple. The questions you need to, to answer is, I will do Blah, blah. I will you know, give you lots of freedom to organize yourself. I will make sure you are paid properly. Second, que- second list of things you're going to give to your team, I won't. I won't tolerate any kind of aggressive behavior in the team. Um, I won't uh, check that you're doing what I've asked you to do, but please reassure me that you have. Third, do's. Please arrive on time at meeting. Please let me know if you're going to be out of the office for more than five hours. Uh, I don't know. Whatever, uh, mm-hmm. don't uh, do not uh, and uh, do not uh, speak rudely uh, to any staff members, uh, whether it's the janitor or the CEO. You know, don't. And then the fifth one: how to communicate with me? Please use emails rather than Slack. Uh, please copy me on all e- on all emails where the CEO is involved, whatever that might be. And when you give those five rules, very simple: I will, I won't do's don't and how to communicate with me then your team has really the handbook of how to work with you and that's amazing right because it's so easy mm-hmm. for them and then i also uh, you know because this is not a dictator when you start uh, going to a new team i highly recommend you ask uh, the team in return to tell you the do's and don'ts of working with them and that they have a chance in front of their peers and to you to say you know, do not talk to me before my fifth coffee in the morning, you know,
0: yeah. or, uh, (laughs)
1: you know, uh, do uh, add please in any request you send to me because that's a pet peeve of me in the office, you know, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think when you can do this sort of what I call clear contracting, um, Mm -hmm. you know, then you have a lot of chances to, uh, you know, very quickly know how your team functions and they also know how you function. And that solves so many problems and it accelerates actually your onboarding.
0: Yeah, totally. That makes complete sense. And again, especially one with globalization and your team might be all over the world, but two, again, with the pandemic in the last few years, and it sounds like lots of companies probably will remain remote or partially remote. So I think laying those, those kind of, guidelines in terms of what works best and what you expect from your team are probably more important now than they ever have been
1: yeah and you know i'll add one more thing um it's absolutely key when you write those do's and don'ts and i will i won't that you write things that you actually do not (laughs) things that you think a great leader would do and that you're going to copy Mm -hmm. but actually you're incapable of doing it yeah Uh, that's otherwise uh you know you land Uh, the problem to, because I I usually tell my mentees, the people I work with, be careful, you have to sign with your blood on that one, right? Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, if you write things just because it sounds cool to say that, you know, Mm -hmm. lose or I will, I will participate uh, uh, every year for a week to a charity, uh, you know, you know, your team never sees you participate to any charity because you're too busy or God knows what. Then mm-hmm. all you've created is deception and frustration yep. with your team. That okay, you're saying things, but you actually don't mean it. So it's very key mm-hmm. that you only write things that you truly believe you'll be able to uh, deliver.
0: So if you're new in a leadership role, this five-step framework will help you set expectations and articulate your leadership style to your new team. One. The things I will do for you. Two, the things I won't do for you. Three, things to do when working with me. Four, the things not to do when working with me. And five, how to communicate with me. If you do implement this with your team, we'd love to hear how you got on, so please do share. In fact, next up, Pierre will share exactly how to deliver this process with your team and some of the results he's experienced with his clients and mentees. Yeah. Definitely. It's almost a re- relationship contract. Almost. Almost. <laughs> and, and I suppose, in terms of, so you've laid these out, you know what you want to tell your team. How can you actually deliver that to them? Is it in a document? Do you yeah, I, I suggest it?
1: You do a little presentation, you know, it's a, a little PowerPoint, and they do the same for their working style, the do's and don'ts. Mm-hmm. You do a little presentation, five slides, really. Uh, You know, I will, bang, 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 I won't, bang, 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 uh, etc. Those don'ts and how to communicate with me. But more importantly, whenever you deliver that, every time you mention something like, uh, I will not tolerate any kind of uh, aggressive behavior towards any team members, Mm -hmm. then you follow up with an example. Because you need, this is a principle, and you need to turn it into practice. You need to turn it in a way that... Uh, your team members are going to be able to get it, understand it, and and make it theirs. So it's very key to have uh, examples that go along with that. And then you know you go through the five slides. Uh, and what I recommend is after each slide, let's say after the I will, what you do is you turn to your team and say, "Okay, is everything clear here? Mm-hmm. Do you have any questions? Is anything unclear?" And maybe your team will have you know, a clarification question. And sometimes, you know, we write these things on our own. And when you read it after the question of your team member, you go, you know what? Good point. Not clear Mm -hmm. enough. And then what I recommend is on the spot to change the wording in your I will to make it super clear so that there's no ambiguity. And then, you know, you do that. I will, I won't, do's, don'ts, and uh, the best way to work with me. And then when your team members, one after another, explain their do's and don'ts, your role as a leader is also to ask many clarification questions so that your team feels that they're being heard, empowered, and that you do actually genuinely care uh, mm-hmm. to understand how they like to work. And once all of that has been done, the best thing is to collect the working style on the one hand and your leadership style on the other, put all of that in one big preso, make it a PDF document, and boom, you send it to every team member. And so everybody has this book. And what I usually tell, uh, the mentees is, guys, you need to tell them you're actually happy that they that they challenge you if you don't respect your own contract. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you need to be able to be told, actually, you know, you say you do this, but I'm sorry, you, you actually don't and and that's how this thing becomes real and um, and usually it works really well because also on the other end when you have a team member that really has a behavior that does not match your leadership style then you can go to that person and say what was not clear to you when i said i will not tolerate x blah 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 mm-hmm. and please you know Enlightened me what was not clear and and that's really a nice way because rather than you know uh, going back to on this day you did x y or z and going into the nitty gritty details he said she said blah 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 you're bringing it back one level up by going mm-hmm. I have set some principles for this team and there are things you know I, that I said I would do and things that I won't do and more importantly I told you things uh, to do with me and things to never do with me. And right now, what is not clear in this, uh, you know, don't do whatever that might be. And it's very useful to have, you know, when you have such like performance review or just, a, you know, quick check-in with a team member that has kind of gone astray to immediately bring him back uh, uh, where you want him to be um, because and thanks to that tool. Now, uh, let me pause here. Very key, you know, uh, you do not need to convince anyone in your team that your leadership style is amazing or great or whatever he may think what whatever you say or wrote is the stupidest thing ever and that you're a complete moron with your leadership style and let me get one thing straight it's absolutely his right and his choice you know that person can definitely say uh, your leadership style is crap that's fine mm-hmm. but it has consequences yeah. and there will be consequences to that. But, and that's fine, you know, and, and you need to remember, and I love this, life is only about choices and consequences. And once you look at everything like this, things become so easy. See, you know, I love chocolate. It has mm-hmm. had consequences. I'm trying to work yeah. on it, you know, before Christmas, but it has had consequences. It's the same thing. Someone tell, can tell you, your leadership style is crap. I don't want to be part of that. Okay, that's entirely your call. It has consequences, and that's probably going mm-hmm. to be very quickly an exit uh, uh, interview uh, uh, question, <laughs> or, or at least a tough discussion will ensue.
0: Yeah. Oh no, that makes sense. And I think, like you said, giving the concrete examples of exactly what you mean in terms of the principles and bringing it into practice are yeah are critical, especially if you're new to a team, or if you've taken a step up, or if you've come from a private practice and you're coming to in-house yeah i think having clarity over that in your team will just help this the smooth running going forward for sure definitely yeah very cool nice and then i suppose just lastly as a result if you do all of this what are the benefits that you'll see
1: well hopefully uh you will see a team fully engaged a team that knows what is the mountain they're climbing why they're climbing it uh, you know what's going to be the next step how they're going to contribute to that picture of success it's a team that will know the rules of the game but who, who will always of working with you and your team but also uh, will have had a chance to express themselves uh, about how they would like to be treated because it's again very important it's a two-way stream and uh, yeah I, I I kind of want to say again you know they they, they will uh, because there will be such a self-managing team uh, because they will know exactly where they stand, what they have to do, where they're going, how they fit into that huge organization or whatever organization that you might create, they will uh, probably almost forget that you're the leader of the team, right? That's kind of what I said earlier. They will say, we did it ourselves. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, when you have a team who starts to say things like that, we did it ourselves, then you can be pretty sure that you, as the leader, you can say, well, okay, my job is done
0: here hmm Oh, brilliant. I love it. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you as always. You've always got great nuggets to share in terms of leadership, Never mind always the law happy. as well.
1: I <laughs> hope uh, this was uh, useful to our, our audience. Uh, you know, I don't know if we'll have comments or whatever, but I'd love to hear mm-hmm. them in any case. Uh,
0: I hope it was useful. Yeah, of course. I'm sure it definitely will be. It's such an important topic, especially when um, it's maybe not so much of a focus during during the academic lives of, of lawyers. So yeah, that's perfect. Thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome, Stephanie. Until next time.
0: Yeah, until next time. I'm sure we'll have you back soon. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Thank you.